1: and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence to change The minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time.
0: Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people.
1: If you can get people to
0: consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come
1: with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, Suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The
0: kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group
1: of men, but in
0: all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and
1: beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. (laughs) It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, I'm your host, Ryan Gable. And you are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio... Five nights a week, Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, Ground Zero. Radio, Aftermath FM, the app. Also, talk stream live in the Paranormal Radio app, but the most probably reliable way to listen would be Ground Zero. radio. right after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. So thank you so much for coming over to The Secret Teachings after Clyde, especially if you're a new listener or a recently new listener. You just found us. Thank you for coming over to The Secret Teachings and giving us a chance. If you'd like to listen to all of our shows, including our show last night with Chris Matthew and our anniversary special this week, you can visit our website or search The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player, so on Apple or anywhere else you listen to shows, and you'll be able to find the show, you can download the show, you can listen to the show with those advertisements, or you can subscribe to the non algorithmically placed advertisement version of the show, which is on our website. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can find also my books and links to our sponsors, our affiliate sponsor, that is, Pro One Water Filters. You'll also find on our website that you can listen to our montages and read my books if you are a subscriber, so you get a lot with your subscription, plus a private RSS feed. Please visit the website today and subscribe. It is well worth it. Also, pay attention to our social media pages because we will be having some specials and some book giveaways here in the month of October as we approach Halloween. And as we approach Halloween, we think a lot about ghosts and haunted houses out here in Tucson, the old Tucson, where they've shot a lot of movies, Western movies. They just finally opened back up. I don't know if you've ever heard of old Tucson. It's a cool little place. And they're doing a haunted old Tucson. Personally, I'm not a big fan of being scared. I'm not a big fan of having, um, having the something scared out of me, but I do enjoy Halloween because I like to look at the imagery, not to be scared, but to hopefully I'm understanding it, try to understand what those images mean and where they come from. We didn't just randomly start carving pumpkins. We didn't just randomly start doing things that we associate with Halloween, like giving candy out. We, we, we didn't just start wearing scary or silly or sexy or whatever costumes like that. There's a traditional basis for this. And it's not just what our parents or grandparents or great grandparents did. And for some weird reason, I know that there are some Americans who think that this is a solely American tradition, which is baffling to me. Uh, These traditions go back probably into the most ancient human history where despite the fact that a lot of movies and TV shows and even some radio shows sort of present this idea that Halloween, usually they're more religious-minded, Halloween is the celebration of death and destruction and chaos and we're worshipping death, we're worshipping dead bodies and or sacrificing innocent people. I mean, these things have happened throughout human civilization. They've happened throughout human culture, whether it's human sacrifice, whether it's child sacrifice, whether it's human trafficking and slavery, things that are still occurring to this day all throughout the world. But Halloween is not about those things. I mean, they could be to you. That could be your tradition. But the origin of the traditions that you may have made your own tradition are rooted in not the worship of death, but the honoring of those who have died. And this is a cycle that we experience with nature. It's a cycle we experience with well our our own mortality, but of course those around us. Death is the great equalizer. It's the answer to the simple riddle, what debt do all men pay? Of course, women pay the debt too, because men comes from mankind, which means everybody, but... That's the debt that everybody pays. Death. Oh, taxes too, but, you know, death. <laughs> death as well. So, as the yearly wheel, the wheel of the year, eight sabbats, four major sabbats, the cross between the solstices and the equinoxes, as that, wheelie, uh, that yearly, oh, i always say wheelie year, that yearly wheel turns, we witness in the northern hemisphere, a couple of things happen. We witness one of the horses, one of the riders of one of the horses, Of revelations. The revelations. The Armageddon times. The end times. We witness one of the horses of the apocalypse. The black horse. Rides upon the earth bringing death. And as the leaves fall. Our civilization falls. Into darker and colder times. Literally. And also figuratively symbolically. So fall is the black horse. And then you have the pale horse. In the winter time. And then you have the white horse in the spring. Buddha, Jesus, and others ride the white horse, the pale horse, like Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, the white wizard. And then the red horse is, of course, the summer. It's why playing cards, you know, like regular old playing cards, are black and red. They represent soil and the sun. And playing cards represent the weeks and the months of the year and the changing of the cycles of the season. So you have winter and fall or fall and winter, which would be black. And you have spring and you have summer, which would be red. So, everything from playing cards to, well, the horses of the apocalypse, it all relates to death and cycles. And of course, the fall of man happens every year. It's the fall season, the fall equinox, Maybon. But see, death is only a prerequisite. For rebirth and if you don't have both then you do have kind of an honoring and a worshipping of death and we would call that maybe Satanism or something like that so throughout human history death has always been seen as as a, a main feature of human culture and tradition because without death you don't have new life you don't have new crops you don't have food you die we see skeletons ghosts ghouls goblins death masks A lot of these things, whether we realize it or not, are only memento mori. They're only symbols and tropes that remind us of the fragility of life. They are not symbols and tropes of death worship, although some people do worship death. Death is venerated alongside of life as part of a cyclical process. That's why the Masons, who are not evil, there are evil Masons, just like there are evil Republicans and evil Democrats and there are evil gay people and evil straight people. Freemasons use skeletons and coffins for the same reasons, because they represent, you may have heard the story, that sometimes Freemasons sit down at a table and they have a skeleton at the table eating, and people say, that's devil worship, that's evil, that's satanic. Actually, quite the contrary. It represents that memory, that idea, that death is always around the corner, and so you should probably do things to take care of your brothers and your sisters and your community, And leave a better world behind. That's kind of the opposite of Satanism. But even traditional Satanists. Even Anton LaVey. I don't like Anton LaVey. But even Anton LaVey said most of these symbols are memento mori. They're just symbols of death. It's a reminder of death. And again, death only identifies as evil when the cycle is broken. If there is no celebration of life. So throughout the world we have all of these different traditions. Some for collective society, some for collective culture, some for our ancestors in general, and some for when an individual ancestor dies. So in East Asian tradition, you have, and this is m- largely Korean, uh, you have Yessa or Jessa. I'm not sure if that's the way you pronounce it, but Jessa or yesa, J-E-S-A, which is a celebration with food. Uh, it's kind of like an altar that's set up, you know, like a rice bowl and sweet bread and different types of things for the dead. Then you have the Hungry Ghost Festival, which usually takes place during the month of uh, Hecate, Diana, August 30th. And then you have the Mexican Day of the Dead, which is November 1st through the 2nd, or basically it's Halloween. Uh, And then you have, uh, you know, our traditional Halloween that we think, you know, in America, there's a lot, lot of, I don't hate America, but there's a lot of, And I think it's the same around the world. I just haven't lived around the world, so I don't know. But in America, it's very, a lot of people just, I mean, it's like 6% of millennials think JFK's assassination led to World War II. So most people think Halloween's something we just invented and nobody else practices it. That's how I feel. Or everybody practices the same traditions. Uh, Anyway, the Japanese have uh, Bon. It's a Buddhist tradition, August 13th to the 15th, which is also a celebration of Diana in ancient Rome. Uh, and then you have the Hindus. They have Pitru Paksha, which is mid-September. And they're all very similar, if not entirely the same, you know, at their root. What's happening is we're honoring our ancestors. We're honoring the dead with celebration. Because dancing and vibrations ward off evil. That's why bells ward off evil in churches. With food. So we're welcoming the the good ancestors, the good spirits, not the evil ones. Or we leave food out to appease the evil ones. And we, uh, you know, we dance and we sing and we have uh, feasts and all of this is to welcome. And costumes also come from this same uh, celebration, right? We have costumes because we ward off evil with scary costumes. They're not meant to scare other people. They're meant to skill scare, you know, demons and devils and evil things. And we've we just... We've made that very kind of mundane and very material. But that's where a lot of these ideas come from. We're going to be talking more about this throughout the month of October. I find it utterly fascinating. I'm pretty sure my guest this evening also finds it fascinating. Laura Lavender, she's the host of Mysteries Beyond, five-star podcast you can find on Apple. She's working on close to 100 episodes now, so that's a lot. It's a lot of dedication 83 episodes at the moment, Mysteries Beyond with Laura Lavender. Laura has been on the show one other time when we were featuring some other podcasts here on The Secret Teachings, so I wanted to bring Laura on the show tonight to talk about death and all of its forms and its relationship to what we call Halloween and the fall as the black horse rides upon the earth. Laura, thank you so much for coming on The Secret Teachings. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Ryan. Thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm so happy to talk to you tonight because you're one of the few people I know personally who really not only enjoys the subject, but you're also pretty well-versed on this. I know you did a show on, I'm going to try to pronounce it, so step back, Santa Muerte? Somewhat yes, recently? Yes. Okay. Was I 90% correct on that? Or
0: Yeah, you were good. You were correct on it.
1: Okay. So you did sure. a show on that recently, but tell me your opinion, your view on this. You know a lot about this history.
0: On um, Santa Muerte?
1: Well, Santa Morte, death, what it represents, uh, you know, the, the, the different festivals like the Day of the Dead.
0: Right. So I, I I really enjoy looking into these topics because even though many, like it's still very taboo to talk about death, it's, it's certainly not normal. Like you can't go up to a coworker or you can't go up to a person on the grocery, you know, in the grocery store and be like, hey, so what about death? You know, it's not normal, <laughs> but yet, I think it's interesting that during the month of October at least here in the United States we celebrate Halloween and we decorate our houses with symbols of death and many of us don't I mean don't know what it means or the history behind it but we still do it. So Santa Muerte is pretty much the embodiment of death and I found her to be extremely controversial uh, more so I would dare say then when you talk about demons, <laughs> and that's probably because of her devotees. you know most of her devotees are are people who have been marginalized by society. they are outcasts, uh, they're known to be thieves, you know prostitutes, people who hold dangerous jobs, and at the same time there's two there's two ways to look at her. So you have the the Catholic version or the Catholic lens, I should say, where although she's not recognized by the Catholic Church as a saint, many Catholics do worship her and would ask God for permission do ask God for permission to work with her. And then there's the folk lens of it where people just acknowledge that, you know, death is part of life and they welcome it.
1: Now, what about the origin of like the name and the character? Does the name itself mean Our Lady of Death? Am I correct about that?
0: Yeah. So her name is La Santa Muerte, and it it does mean Lady of Death, but more accurately, it translates to the Holy Death.
1: The Holy um, Death.
0: Yeah, the Holy Death. Why? But, do
1: they, why do they refer to it? I'm sorry. What do they refer to it as the Holy Death? Is is that reference the? in a sense, when I'm talking about the cyclical nature of life and death, or is there something more religious in regard to that?
0: It is It is part of, because it is a part of life, because she goes hand in hand with life. So it's more of a of her divine nature. that That's why they call her holy death. And at the same time, in Spanish, Santa means saint, but it's just more accurately translated to holy. In Spanish, it's a little hard to, to translate because saint can have can have the meaning of holy, and it can also mean saint.
1: Okay, so some of it's a translation, but it does relate to the the holiness of death in regard to the cyclical nature of death and life, and the the, the procedures yeah. of nature, if you will. Exactly. So, in, so in that way, it's not. I mean, obviously, I think my listeners know this, but it's not for new people. It's not a veneration and an honoring of death and chaos and Satanism and destruction. I mean, considering the fact that Catholics, you said, do tend to follow uh, this deity in a sense or they worship her or they honor her. I also find that there are a lot of Catholics in particular, but people that tend to be Christian, they also see her and others like her, other characters, deities, etc. They see it as very evil. So why, why do you think some Catholics honor her and then some see it as like satanic?
0: Right. Well, one of the reasons that I found was because the Catholic Church. So, if you're going to go, you know, through the religious route, is that the Catholic Church does not acknowledge her, and in fact, the Catholic Church, like many other deities, has humanized her. So, people usually tend to stay away from her because they fear her. And another reason, unfortunately, is because you know the cartels they uh, they kind of adopted her as you know their their main saint. And obviously, you know, the the cartel isn't involved in anything good. It never leads to anything good. So that's another reason why they do fear her. And because she has, because she can be a very complex figure, she is kind. And at the same time, she has no morals to uphold. So you can pretty much ask her for anything. She's not going to judge you. She is seen as just so when a lot of people first learn about her and, and hear about her, they kind of do so with caution. And obviously her, her image, the way she's depicted, is you know, can be very frightening to some because she is you know, pretty much a, a skeleton dressed in a black mantle. Sometimes it, she's wearing black, sometimes she wears white, and sometimes she wears red, a red mantle.
1: Now that, that to me fascinates me that that's so similar to what I know about ISIS in Egypt and also other deities throughout the world. But ISIS, when she mourns for her husband, Osiris, she wears black. She has the black veil, which is actually where the story of um, Cinderella comes from cinders, the cinder, black colored face from working in the kitchen, the ovens. So she wears Mm -hmm. the black searching for her husband. And then when she's not depressed and sad and searching for her husband, she wears white, but out of this, Largely out of Babylon and Sumeria comes the Hierodol or the high priest. It was usually a woman who would administer in the mystery schools the drink of hallucination, and she would typically wear a red dress. So, this is where the idea, thanks to the Catholic Church in particular, not that I'm anti religious or Christian, but they right. translated these words and these ideas into being red is a harlot, the whore that comes from Hierodol, the high priestess. So red, and then of course the black and white of good and evil, if you will, those are attributes in Babylon and Sumeria and Egypt, all throughout Africa, in the East, and of course in Mexico and South America, you find this all throughout the world. It's So it's basically the same the same idea, it's just characterized differently in different cultures. That's what I'm getting from it.
0: Right, right. And I mean, you can go into, you know, deeper in with colors with the whole block you know, to relate to death, um, you know, the... I guess the unknown. um, And then you go to red, and I can see how that could have that correlation between, you know, the whore or the harlot because red is also associated with love and passion. um, And blood. Which is, sorry? I said, and blood. And blood, of course. Yes. The eternal, you know, the life force. Uh, Yes. But yeah, colors, colors play a significant role. And now the more modern version of her has. I think about seven, seven different colors because she is known to work with, you know, many, with many uh, dealings. I guess you could say many matters, like legal, uh, communication, uh, abundance. You name it.
1: Is she considered a chief deity or a chief uh, goddess, if you will?
0: Yes. Oh, yes. In fact, a lot of uh, people who venerate her who have alt- altars for her. They won't share the altar space with anyone, so she has to have her own. So she is the main, she's as powerful as God, you could say.
1: Is there any, I'm just curious, is there any story, any mythology about her having died and been resurrected? I mean, does that relate to the skeleton? Is there any kind of relationship there? Because I'm thinking of a very Eastern goddess named Amaterasu, she died for three days and then she came back to life but it's like a skeleton it's like a corpse coming back to life it reminds me of Santa Muerte
0: so here's another okay yeah yes there is so this is where we kind of get into the controversial aspect of her because there isn't a consensus you could say on her origin story there are different types of mythologies but one of them is that she was a small indigenous girl, who I guess to save her father because her father was ill, uh, traded her life to save her father. So she was seen as as very kind. So she became you know Santa Muerte. I guess she was reborn as Santa Muerte, you could say. Um, but that's a very that's the only like short story, and there's not a lot of information. There's not a lot of detail on that mythology either.
1: I would imagine, I'm not sure, but I would imagine that there are several deities throughout hundreds or thousands of years that have been incorporated into what we know her as today specifically, but the same thing with other deities around the world. It's like all these different goddesses or different ideas that eventually become embodied in what becomes the dominant character, the dominant symbol, the dominant god or goddess of a particular culture. Does that make sense?
0: Right, yeah. I mean, there's also the the Aztec mythology to it too, because she is said to be an evolved version of the Aztec goddess of the underworld of Mictlan. Um the Aztec goddess's whose name was Miklan Siwatu, or if you want to get technical, because there's different variations of the name, kind of like with the demon ball and ball or how you pronounce it. And there's also Mixtli which is very similar, but in the, you know at the same time it's it's the same thing; it's the same goddess. She co-ruled the African world with her
1: husband. What do you think the reason is? We've only got just about a minute here and try to get a quick answer out of you. We'll come back and continue to talk about this. But what do you think the reason is that every single culture has not only uh, a, a, a version of Santa Morte, but they also have, you know, this underworld character, this kind of, uh, I guess they're kind of like a guardian and a guide in the underworld. Like you have Anubis in Egypt. Uh, and I've read this about Santa Morte. She's a guide uh, of the souls. And that's that's not a negative thing. That's a very positive thing. Is, was every culture obsessed with death, death and Satanism, or was it something different than Laura?
0: I think every culture, in, in a sense, has been a with death because it's still such a mystery. You can't really say exactly what goes on in the afterlife. You know, everybody, reality is very subjective. So everybody has a different experience. Many people may have had near-death experiences, or they have done, you know, to come back and come to tell what they've experienced. But in some sense, I feel like they all have something that unites that unites it.
1: Well, cer- certainly, we're going to talk about that when we come back from break. Mysteries Beyond Laura Lavender is our guest this evening. I'm Ryan Gable. This is the Secret Teachings. We're after this. you are listening to the secret teachings to contact the show to share
0: information and your opinion or give recommendations email rdgable at yahoo.com visit the facebook page Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings or visit the website at www.thesecretteachings.info If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research
1: in your hands, grab a physical and digital copy of his books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and
0: UFOs food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ
1: theory, and geoengineering. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even The shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at the Secret Teachings.info. The Secret Teachings Radio Show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us.
0: If you'd like to hear more of The Secret Teachings, if you missed a show or part of a show, sign up to the ever-expanding archive at thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe for a month or a year, you get access to the full show archive to every show after it airs. You can download and stream unlimited episodes and share your login with friends or family. With your subscription, you can also get access on the website to all of Ryan's digital books and the ever-growing Montage Archive. Just visit thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donate Subscribe tab at the top of the page. Use the secure PayPal link and start your membership today. By subscribing, you support The Secret Teachings, Ryan, and yourself. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable.
1: Think about your hero when you're at ground zero and crawl up to the fall or back to me. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Mark Passio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Your host Ryan Gable, and you are listening to the Secret Teachings Radio. My guest this evening, Laura Lavender from Mysteries Beyond. If you missed the first segment, a brief discussion on Santa Morte and other similarly related deities, and the idea of death and what death represents as we enter the season of death, the black horse of the apocalypse trampling on the world. Things die and then the white horse, the pale horse rather, not the white horse, the pale horse and then the white horse and then the red horse and the cycle continues and continues and continues life and death, death and life. It's all part of the same system, the same cycle. When you eliminate the aspect of life, though, then you get something that might be considered more evil. But until you do that, if you maintain the cycle of life and death and understand that they need each other to coexist... And harmony, you have something that's not so evil, it's not bad, it's not really good, it just is. And these are ideas and concepts that, although they might be difficult for us to comprehend or grasp today, whether you're an atheist, a Satanist, or a Christian, certainly for our ancestors, and certain of our ancestors in particular, because I don't think everybody, a thousand years ago, two thousand years ago, were brilliant, but those who preserved this information... Put it in story form. Put it in myth. Put it in uh, a specific deity or character that represents an idea. It's a wonderful, beautiful way to carry on, I would say, advanced knowledge, considering that we think our ancestors were very primitive. And today, we seem to be pretty primitive in how we interpret the types of stories and characters and deities that our ancestors have passed down to us. Santa Morte... Death, Our Lady of Death, again, this is The Secret Teachings, Laura Lavender is with us. Laura, we were talking about the underworld, and when you say that, and when you read about it, I think it's pretty uh, basic information about Santa Morte, that she is a patron of the dead, she guides the souls, and she has, she assists, she helps people after they've died. Is First of all, is that correct?
0: Yeah, of course. She is there to guide you. So she is said to always walk with you, and when it's your time, she'll guide you to the afterlife.
1: I mean, that sounds a little bit like Jesus. You walk in the footsteps of Jesus, and Jesus is there to help save you from damnation. It sounds very familiar to me, and it also sounds like the story of Anubis in Egypt. Anubis, even Osiris, but Anubis is the guardian of the underworld. Anubis assists in weighing the soul after death. So again, these characters and these attributes we find all over the world, and they fascinate me, especially because we have October, we have Halloween, we have all these uh, images and things that we see in movies and TV shows, and stores are decorated. A lot of us just think it's kind of fun decoration, but it it actually has a very, very deep meaning that goes beyond just a plastic skeleton hanging up, doesn't it?
0: Right. Right. You know what's interesting when you talk about, the mention the underworld, is that, like Santa Muerte, to kind of (laughs) smooth it out here, like Santa Muerte, she she is known to carry, like the scales, right? And so does Anubis.
1: Oh, I didn't know she carried scales, so she does carry them just like Anubis.
0: Yes, yeah, just like Anubis, and she also guides you to the afterlife, just like Anubis. Um, although I think Anubis does something different with the scales. At her, it's more like the the balance between life and death. So with Anubis, well, I guess Anubis is that way. He balances the heart against the feather.
1: Right, and right. This feather is the soul. Heart is the the physical. Mm-hmm. You have the weighing of the heart and soul in Egypt. Is there any similar thing like that in uh, in the Santa Marta culture? Well, she. Is it she just, does or, or is it just the scales? Well, there, there's no like specific thing that's being weighed
0: there's no specific thing that's being weighed. Um, It's just more to represent balance between life and death. And I guess maybe it's more symbolic to remember to live and not go through life. So I guess so blindly, right? So don't take it for granted. Remember to live as well, because you're only here for a short amount of time.
1: So she basically then represents, I didn't know that she carried scales. That fascinates me. So she basically represents what Christ represents, then, because Christ was crucified between two thieves. And I guess occultists would more so say this, but Christ represents the center path, just like the path of the Buddha. And if Christ is crucified or Jesus is crucified on the cross between these two thieves, the thieves represent polar opposites in perception that steal your ability to live a balanced life. And so once you find balance between the two thieves that steal your perception, then you find the path of Christ. So it's the same kind of an idea in Santa Muerte. It's the same idea in Anubis and the wane of the heart and the feather. Uh, These are traditions and ideas that are older than time, it feels like, it seems like.
0: Yeah, I mean, and she does have other symbols to her. Um, She carries the globe. Sometimes you'll see her, you know, with the globe representing dominion over the whole
1: earth. As does Jesus.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Let's see what else. Well, she has owls, owls are, are travelers in almost every mythology and are known to travel through different realms, including the underworld. And um, they can see
1: they can see through darkness, of course. So owls like Minerva or typically or Athena are typically right. symbols of knowledge and wisdom and seen through deception.
0: Yeah. And of course the okay so I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Scythe or is it Sith?
1: But Scythe.
0: Scythe. So she also carries that. So, to represent so right. she
1: carries a scythe, just like Saturn does. Mm-hmm. In the in the in the depictions. See, I, I, again, I, I know about Santa Muerte. I have a general idea. I, until you're telling me this right now, live on air, I didn't I didn't know that she carried a scythe. I didn't know that she carried uh, the scales. So she's okay. like a composite of just like countless different deities all over the world that I can think of. Like again, Anubis or uh, Amaterasu. That's fascinating, Laura.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's why I honestly when I looked into her I had heard of her, but I've never again because you know, they instill that fear, don't go looking, you know, for her, she might burn death to you or your family. Um, don't search for balance
1: some, is what they're saying. Don't look for balance.
0: Right. Don't don't just sit sit right there, look pretty, just smile. Don't research anything. <laughs> so uh I thought it was very interesting because after having listened to your show and, you know, learning a lot from you, all these symbols uh, and all of these uh, colors and, and, you know, references that are associated with other deities, deities, she has them as well. So it is, it is like you said, a composite of all of these different death deities into her.
1: And we find the same kind of uh, themes which I find ironic, the same kinds of themes within what she represents as we find within, well, the Catholic church and Christianity, which tends to say, don't pay attention to deities like this. They're evil, but it represents the exact same thing that the church believes in. I don't, I don't consider that mind control. I just consider that ignorance.
0: Exactly. I mean, I don't understand, like after having researched her and I've, you know, I've had some experiences with her too that I'll, I'll probably share a little later, but to me, I don't, I don't see her as being completely evil. Uh, and it's, it's nice to be able to come on here and maybe haven't heard about her or maybe they have, but have, you know, that same mentality that she's evil. It's, It's nice to know that. I can share it, share it on here, live on this air, you know, and let people know, hey, she's not all evil. You should really look into her. If you feel called to her, if you feel drawn to her, don't let that fear hinder, you know, your learning experience. Look her her up. Look up all these different symbols that she's associated with. Why does she wear the red? Why does she wear the black? Why does she wear the white? Why is she now associated with seven different colors? And learn about her.
1: Does she also have roses or is that more of an artist's depiction cuz I've seen roses?
0: I think that that has to do more with like the offerings. Okay. So she she does take roses, tobacco, you know, any any liquor, hard liquor.
1: So she's basically she's a homeless person cuz they tend to like the liquor and tobacco.
0: <laughs> right. No. <laughs> um, it's more of like the joys of life or the vices of life. Right. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, and and if you're going to offer her any liquor or any tobacco, uh, make sure it's something that you would consume and not the cheap
1: stuff. So you don't want to, Yeah, you don't want a cheap offering.
0: <laughs> right. Right.
1: So then, and, and, and okay. So for the record here, like if you're going to email Laura and tell her that she's mean for laughing at that joke, email me first, rdgable at yahoo dot com. <laughs> so uh, Laura Lavender. Tonight on the broadcast, Mysteries Beyond, is her show, five-star show, by the way, over on Apple Podcasts. We're talking about Santa Morte, but we're also talking about what Santa Morte represents in a larger context. Look at characters like Anubis in Egypt. Again, I didn't know that she carried the scales just like Anubis. Even Lady Justice, uh, Justitia she carries the scales. That's what we use. You know, justice is blind. That's what we use. And you go to a law office. Most law offices have lady justice with the scales. I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if a lot of people think that these types of subjects are conspiracies or if we just reduce them to stupid myth or silly myth. But when you start to pay attention again, if you go in a law office or if you go into, I don't know, a Walmart and see the Halloween decorations, you're seeing a rich history of every human culture, and you're seeing human intellect and consciousness in little pieces of plastic that you think, well, that's cheap and made in China. I, I, I don't know if I want to buy that one. Maybe I'll buy I'll buy a better skeleton that'll last longer. There's just so much rich history. And I, I, again, I don't know if we... Tend to see it collectively as a conspiracy. Like I've I've just I've had people tell me that. Oh, that's a conspiracy. What's a conspiracy? The skeleton represents death, but that's not a negative thing. I don't get what the conspiracy is about. That I think so many people have just been have been beaten down by the idea that anything that makes any deviation from. What the status quo is must be a conspiracy theory, even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's just the definition of a word or the interpretation of a symbol. I'm I'm ranting here, of course. Please stop me, but but the, well, the, one thing you, the you, you, you see this you see this all around is, is the point. This rich history that's the point I'm getting.
0: <laughs> no, I, I understand it. I, I'm sure your listeners understand what you're what you're talking about too. But one thing I did want to point out uh, with with something like that, is that, okay, if you if you think she's evil because people go to her and, and, you know, ask her for things, think about if you're a Christian or if you're a Catholic who venerates the Virgin Mary, if you've ever asked her for anything, the Virgin Mary, if you've ever asked her for help to get that job, right? There's always an exchange of something. So it's not just a pact that you make with demons, you also make them with the Virgin Mary if you're a Catholic.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely.
0: And you and you know what? You you stipulate the terms before the action. So if you're, if, let's say you want to get a job. Oh, you know, Virgin Mary, if you help me get this job, I, I will go to Mass, you know, five weeks in a row in your name, your dedication. Or if you help me get a job, I will buy you 10 candles and light them in your name. Well, it's the same thing. You're, you're still making a pact.
1: I don't know if I gotta if I gotta pray to Santa Muerte or the Virgin Mary. Santa Muerte looks like she can get stuff done.
0: Oh, she does. she's actually that's another trait that she has is that she answers you very very fast. But the difference between the Virgin Mary and Santa Muerte, or her different difference, is that if you don't keep your end of the bargain, she will take it away from you. Take what she's given you, or take someone well, away from that's you.
1: That's only fair, and that's balance of the scales. Exactly, exactly.
0: That's what I thought. I'm like, well, why wouldn't you uphold your end, right?
1: Well, that's what. Yeah, of course. If you're entering into a contract, I mean, if you break the contract, you you lose whatever it was that you were contracted to receive. It's whether that's a business contract or it's a deal with uh, with her, or it's a deal with uh, the Virgin Mary. I don't. I don't know why it seems. It seems like. If you, th- if you think of like Jesus flipping over a table, or if you think of, I don't know, Yahweh in the Bible in the Old Testament was kind of a, an a-hole. I mean, you, ju- you find just as much, it's obviously symbolic and it has a deeper meaning, but you find just as much like, I guess you could consider it violence or anger or, you know, uh, evil, if you will, with those characters as you do with her. I think it's a cultural thing. I think that's as simple as it is. It's just cultural. And, and for a lot of people, it's very foreign. So it's scary. But from your point <laughs> of view, n- knowing Santa Muerte, I mean, you probably don't think the Virgin Mary is scary, but do, do you see, you know, kind of a parallel thing? Like, do you look at other cultures and maybe still have that programming and think, oh, well, I don't know, that deity kind of sounds evil. Or have you kind of, have you been able to get over that? Do you, do you know what I mean? Do you know just by the the observation, I see things sometimes still lower and I think like the programming kicks in and I have to stop myself and say, no, that's not what it means.
0: Yes, definitely. Um, the, the programming is, is hard to, to get rid of and it'll, because it's so ingrained in you. I mean, it's, especially if you've been taught, taught it your whole life. Uh, You can't do it overnight. It takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of reading and it takes a lot of exploring uh, to help you have a different perspective on things. That's what I feel.
1: Well, you know, I I know that you said that she was associated or she's been used in association with the cartels, right?
0: Yeah.
1: So that has to, as you said, that has to be one of the main, maybe contemporary reasons why she's associated with violence and criminal activity and stuff like that.
0: Right, and it's because she's gotten that reputation. Because of them, um, where the cartels might ask, you can't ask the Virgin Mary to help you destroy your enemy, right? She's got rules to uphold, but you can ask something to help you destroy your enemy, and she will answer depending on what you offer her, and, and what that offering is is between you and her.
1: Okay, so then I'm, I'm thinking for people that think perhaps, uh, I'm trying to think as a listener here, for people that think that maybe she because of the association with the cartels, that's like an evil thing. I don't know how anybody who might think that is perhaps missing the whole child rape thing in the church and the Virgin Mary. I mean, I don't associate the Virgin Mary with child rape and torture with the Catholic church or the Baptist church. So I I guess Santa Morita, they can use her image. That doesn't mean that that's what she represents though. I don't, again, I don't see the Virgin Mary as a symbol of human uh, child abuse or something like that. Does that make sense?
0: No, I I think I understand, but you know there have been incidents that, known that people in the Catholic religion, priests have taken advantage of innocent children and have raped them, as harsh as that sounds. Um, But that's the thing with Santa Muerte, the Catholic Church, or at least the people in it, um, are very or can be very judgmental, and I've experienced that myself. In fact, um, a couple years back when I had first moved here to Vegas, uh, I went to church just on a summer day, you know, and I usually tend to, when I would go, I would tend to sit or stand towards the back towards the back doors. I don't really like being in the middle of everyone. Uh, and I was wearing uh, a tank top <laughs> because it was hundred over 100 degrees. It's extremely hot out there. And they didn't have any air conditioning and I don't even think they had fans and if they did, it was just blowing the same hot air back. But I got kicked out I got kicked out of church because I was wearing a tank top because it was seen as indecent to expose myself like
1: that. Well, see that this is, this is an interesting subject in and of itself. When you think about some of the traditions, very religious people have like the not showing parts of the body, especially if you're a woman, which is no different. I mean, it's in, it's in Corinthians. It's no different than the Quran or in Muslim culture. It's the same idea. It's the same concept, but, I think a lot of that, you know, those ideas, they're based on older ideas that we don't fully understand. It's just like, well, you, you can't wear that because you just can't. That's just what we do. But it's not, there's not an understanding of why, because of yes, of decency and what decency is supposed to, supposed to provide in a civil society. So it's very similar to how we look at these deities and we think something's evil or something's good, or we just don't see anything at all because it's a fun tradition we do the same thing with morality and ethics and virtue and, you know, things that are supposed to be there to provide cohesion in society. Does that make sense too? Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: So so you, you moved to Vegas. Where, where are you originally from? San Diego. San Diego. Well,
0: you know, it's, it's interesting because I was born in Florida. <laughs> so I don't really know when they ask me that question. I don't really know what to say anymore.
1: Wait, I didn't know so, that you were born in Florida as well?
0: Yeah, where Rockfish, you, Florida.
1: Where we're at?
0: Rockridge, Florida.
1: I don't th- I don't know if I've been there. It's one place I don't think I've been.
0: I think it's near Cocoa Beach.
1: Okay. Yeah, it is one place I've, I've not been to. So anyway, go ahead.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I I'm was I'm just saying, I don't really know how to answer that when they asked me, where are you from? Because I feel like I had to give you that whole explanation. Well, I was born in Florida, but you know I moved to San Diego and pretty much grew up in San Diego and raised in San Diego. And now I moved to Vegas. So... I don't I don't really know.
1: Well, I'm, ask, I'm asking <laughs> you because listeners might want to know like how do you, obviously people know me, but how how do you know so much about Santa Morte? Is it just an interest? Is it a hobby? Does your family no, have a Go ahead.
0: Oh, no, absolutely not. No, my family is 100% Catholic and I know there's different types of Catholics, like some people uh, will believe in the evil eye and you know another other different superstitions, but my family was didn't want anything to do with that. So don't believe in the evil eye that's just you know uh just pagan stuff i guess uh and don't believe in santa muerte she, she's not accepted by the catholic her so they're very traditional and i i only research her because she interested me she i started i guess she started popping up in in different areas of my life and i'm like okay let me look into her i feel like this is a sign that i should look more into her and even though it was kind of I wouldn't say scary. I would say more intimidating to look into her. Um, but you know, I, I realize it's not at all what I initially had in mind.
1: I think. I mean, there are plenty of others, but I think she, Santa Muerte, represents all of the varied aspects of the month of October, the fall months, and Halloween. All the symbols, all the images, and ultimately, that none of these things are really evil unless you remove the natural cyclical component to them. Then I guess they could be evil because it's it is like worshiping death at that point. But all of this, I mean, around Halloween, I would assume that her image becomes more popular because she kind of looks like a Halloween type thing, you know. Um, but how? Ha- yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was gonna say, and a lot of them uh, confuse confuse her with, um, I guess the the dapper skeleton, which is a symbol for the day of the dead. But that those are two completely separate things. That,
1: you know what? That that's actually to be honest with you, that was a thing I was thinking about. It was a question that was kind of like right in the back of my head. It was about to come out. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> so there's no relationship between the two. They just, is that a cultural artistic thing? That's why they sort of look the same.
0: Yes, exactly. So I believe his name was Jose Guadalupe Posada. He was an artist that first depicted the the dapper skeleton or the elegant skull. And initially it was just a skull with a hat, like a really fancy, elegant hat, and it was more of a of a symbol to represent uh, social status and the fact that it doesn't matter what your class status is; death comes for us all.
1: Well, that's whole, the whole reason that the Masons use a skeleton; they use a coffin. It doesn't matter how wealthy, how powerful. None of that matters. Nothing, no societal status, nothing matters except you're human, you're mortal, and you will die. So why not take this time to support your brothers and sisters and build a better world for the next generation? That's a very positive aspect to the skeleton that we typically see as evil. So it's the same exact thing as you just explained. And again, that's, that's in religion, it's in culture, it's in what we call secret societies. The Freemasons use that skeleton for that specific reason that you just said.
0: Right, to remember, to remember, memento mori.
1: memento mori, that's right.
0: (laughs) Yeah, remember death. Remember to live your life because you're only here for a short time.
1: Memento mori, reminder that death is always around the corner. Although, I don't know, I wish we could interview someone from a thousand years ago. I don't know how they would feel, just a crazy (laughs) thought, how they would feel about the whole YOLO you only live once so you should just go wild I get the idea I get the concept but I also feel like there should be maybe some some balance within that
0: right there definitely has to be some balance you can't just do crazy absurd things or you know go off and harm people it's it's, I like I said like you said I, I get the concept but I feel like they should Elaborate more
1: on that. If someone ever says that to me, I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna ask them. How do you know we only live once? Are you sure we only live once? I feel like I feel like reincarnation would be a much better justification for hard drug use and non-stop partying. It's like, well, I'm gonna be reincarnated anyway, so what does it matter? I just get, you know.
0: That's exactly what what I thought of reincarnation when you said YOLO. Exactly <laughs> that. But you know what? You technically are. You don't live once. You technically. Uh, regenerating I mean if you if you look about it if you think about it in the sense of your cells they regenerate every 30 days so you are and at the same time you know what you're living and dying at the same time because you're currently living you're breathing in your air your oxygen and you are dying because you are aging with every breath that you take
1: that's true it's a fine point that is very very true yeah your cells do replace themselves your body replaces your cells so you are dying but you're also in your body is a self maintaining system inside and outside
0: yeah.
1: Well, I mean, that's, that's what nature is, right? You have death and then you have life. And so you have the four horses of the apocalypse. You have the red horse of summer. You have the black horse of the fall. You have the pale horse of the winter and the white horse of the spring. There's no apocalyptic endgame coming unless some big corporations and some big powerful people and royal families and psychopathic eugenicists want to create the end times. The the end times are part of the cycles of nature. It's the four horses of the apocalypse. It's Armageddon. There's always an unveiling. And that unveiling happens, Laura, during October. The lifting of the veil during the time that we call Samhain or Samhain or Halloween. I find that just fascinating. And it should take all the fear and the worry about end times out of people's brains, out of their minds, out of their uh, their families and out of their belief systems. Because uh, Armageddon... Uh, The apocalypse, the great unveiling, is just simply put, it's the lifting of the veil and it's the fall of man in the fall months when the black horse rides upon the earth. I find that utterly fascinating. Laura Lavender is our guest this evening. We'll get her take on that when we come back from break. Laura Lavender, again, the website, uh, or rather the podcast, you can find it online. Mysteries Beyond, is that correct? Yes, Mysteries
0: Beyond with Laura Lavender.
1: Mysteries Beyond with Laura Lavender, a five-star podcast. Hey, my show only has 4.7, I think, for stars because people leave really nasty reviews sometimes. So, (laughs) Mysteries Beyond with Laura Lavender. This is The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. More after this. Don't go anywhere. This is David Icke, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. You're listening. The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. So it's taken months, but my new book Liberty Shrugged is finally available. Nearly 700 pages with archived images. It will leave you fascinated and wanting more. See, hatred for America and the Constitution is based on misconceptions of history and the rule of law. Charges of racism, sexism, and bigotry don't hold up to history and context. They stem from nullifiers who wanted to replace the Constitution and maintain hierarchy, as with the Confederate Constitution, which aimed to preserve the institution of slavery. But racism was not the foundation of that institution. It was a final justification to defend an institution which had existed forever and for which Western civilization and colonialism was actually taking steps to end. Africans and Arabs organized slave trading far exceeding anything in the Atlantic, and some continue to this day. Also, a woman's role in household duties was as systemic as a man's role in the legislature or on the battlefield. Indian tribes, when they weren't at war with one another, were choosing sides with the Europeans. See, we can't address history from the air-conditioned seats of a progressive university and pass judgments on men, women, and events that we know nothing about. My book, Liberty Shrugged, attempts to dispel countless historical, cultural, and social myths in order to find an objective understanding of history, the present, and the future. It's Liberty Shrugged at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope you'll get a copy today for yourself, for your friends, for your family. I think you'll really enjoy it. If anyone can hear this
0: broadcast, I'm still on Earth.
1: This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like
0: you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist.
1: That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with the davidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teaching. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. It's a very simple riddle. What is the debt that all men and women pay? Of course, the answer is death, the great equalizer. The will of the year turns. As we sometimes say on the secret teachings, as the will turns, bones burn. The will turns past the fall equinox, Maybon. We approach Samhain or Samhain, Halloween, All Hallows' Eve. And we witness in the Northern Hemisphere the riding of the black horse of the apocalypse, the black horse onto the earth to bring death and the fall as in the fall months and the fall of man in the garden, the fall of man. I believe that whether we're talking about the four horses of the apocalypse or even the book of Genesis, I think it's all an allegory, a symbol and a metaphor for nature. I think that the black horse is the fall. I think that the pale horse is the winter. I think that the white horse is the spring, and the red horse is the summertime. I think the fall of man is, well, it's quite literally the fall. We fall into disarray. We fall into chaos. We fall into cold, dark times. And we look to something bright and warm to protect us and bring life back to the world, and that would be, well, the S-U-N or the S-O-N, the sun, It would also be, in some cases, a goddess named Amaterasu. Amaterasu is a Japanese goddess. She was in a cave for three days, came back to life, brought the rays of the sun, the warmth, back to a dying world, which wasn't really dying. The world doesn't really die. Things seem to die. They more so go into a state of suspended animation, if you will. They go into a state of suspended life, and then they reemerge in the springtime, and that's birth, or rebirth. These are the cycles, birth, life, and death. And then when you complete that cycle once, it's birth, life, death, and then rebirth, life, and death. Just like you're young, you're middle-aged, and then you're old. And the list goes on and on and on in regard to the Trinity and how it relates to nature and man. But again, death is a prerequisite for life. And so throughout all of History, death, has been a central feature in human culture. We look at the Freemasons, for example. They have the skeleton in the coffin. But those symbols are memento mori. They represent a reminder of death. And a reminder to do good deeds, nonetheless. To leave a better world behind. Skeletons, ghosts, death masks, all the scary things around Halloween. They're usually just reminders that, hey... Death can come at any time, but also, you know, when we talk about the apocalypse, and you know what apocalypse means, it means the great unveiling. Well, quite literally, the veil is lifted between the physical and the spiritual around the time of what we call Halloween, the end of October, right in the middle of the fall equinox and the winter solstice, Maybon and Yule. We get Samhain, Hallows, All Hallows Eve, November Eve, etc., And this is a time when we open our homes to our ancestors. We open our homes with food and costumes or we close our homes with other food, offerings, appeasements, with costumes that are scary to scare off, to ward off evil. That's why we light the jack-o'-lantern or Jack's lantern, the guy that made a deal with the devil. But he also tricked the devil and the devil didn't let him in hell and God didn't let him in heaven so he roams the earth and... The Jack-O-Lantern, Jack's Lantern, they used to carve them out of turnips. Now they, you know, mostly carve them out of pumpkins uh, in any any place, any part of the world where, where they celebrate this kind of Halloween we do in the West. So that is a symbol. It is a, a a lantern that peers through the darkness. Nothing about Halloween is evil unless you make it evil. It's quite the opposite, actually. It's just the association, I guess, because of all that. All that imagery that we associate with like Satanism or movies and Hollywood and TV shows and all these kinds of things. But from what I understand, Halloween, the lifting of the veil is the apocalypse, just like the black horse riding on Earth. And that should provide you with some comfort. If there is an end of the world situation or scenario, it's natural. It's a comet, an asteroid or it's an artificial Armageddon, and I would say that artificial Armageddon is being created by, and this is a totally different subject, but it's being created to uh, create uh, uh, the idea of the Antichrist that it's a, that he's a real thing, a real person, and I think that they're creating this through media corporations, creating this through uh, the so-called royal family, but that's that's all artificial, that's synthetic. Uh, apocalypse is the great unveiling, the lifting of the veil. And so the spirits come over to this world. And rather than scare them all away, we, we should welcome those ancestors. And uh, in, uh, you know, in Mexico, you have the Day of the Dead, famously the Day of the Dead. And in, well, in the United States of America, we have Halloween. But they're very, very similar. And they also only take place during the same time frame. So they have the same origins. Of course, a lot of our origins come from the Irish, uh, the Irish in particular. So our guest this evening, Laura Lavender from Mysteries Beyond, she's joined us to speak about Santa Morte, but also how Santa Morte is a composite of these different characters and ideas and deities. And I wanted her on the show tonight because I wanted to talk about how Santa Morte in particular relates to the larger Halloween fall season and some of these celebrations and festivals like the Day of the Dead. Laura Lavender on the line with me. Laura, the Day of the Dead, it's very similar to Halloween in a sense. I'm not sure how well you'd say it's, or how closely related you'd say they are, but it's its the same idea, is it not?
0: Right, it's the same idea. And then I know you said um, Santa Muerte, how he, she can be involved between Halloween and the Day of the Dead. Well, a lot of the times, many of her devotees venerate her on the Day of the Dead, but what's interesting is that her day, her specific date, is on August 15th, and it's it's interesting how it all just in, integrates, you know, like uh, the Hungry Ghost Festival is in August, uh, Muerte is venerated in August, but at the, at the same time, she's also venerated on the Day of the Dead and then uh, halloween is also around the same time frame and then halloween has jack o lanterns jack o lanterns which are a symbol you know to kind of light light your way or light your path through the darkness and it's the same reason why we have altars on the day of the dead and why there are there have to be there has to be candles there because the the candles are kind of like a symbol and they also help are said to help the spirits guides the way home.
1: That's right. It provides a, them with warmth and light. and
0: Right. And one thing that I do want to mention regarding the day of the dead, though, I don't understand why they call it the day of the dead. I think it should be days of the dead because there are two. So November 1st, not a lot of people know this and I just thought it was cool and interesting to point it out. November 1st is dedicated to the children. So it's, in Spanish, is el día de los inocentes, right, Or el día de los angelitos, which means the day of the innocent or the day of the little angels, because we remember and honor the children who have passed away. And then on November 2nd, that's when we honor and remember adults, but that includes everyone. So... I just wanted to point
1: that out really well, quick. Yeah. Well, that's very similar. I mean, it's it's not similar. It's the exact same thing as All Souls Day. So All Souls all right. Day is, is, it's we have All Saints Day, and then we have All Souls Day. All Souls Day is uh, November 2nd, and that is largely a creation of the Catholic Church. So basically you have All Hallows or Halloween, and then you have All Saints Day, and then you have all, um, Souls Day so they honor the saints on the first and then they honor everybody else on the second uh, again I don't think I should be saying it's similar it's it's the same freaking thing Yes
0: yeah, pretty much the same thing <laughs> it,
1: it's, it, it's it's just a, it's just a, a it's copied and it's given another name uh, yeah it's re- what's that
0: It's rebranded
1: <laughs> that's exactly what it is it's rebranded now you also said that Santa Muerte looks kind of like you know some of the skeleton stuff that we see with Day of the Dead, but there's total, two different things.
0: Yes, it's two completely separate things. Um, so yeah, like I said, the, the dapper uh, skeleton is pretty much just a symbol that was created by an artist uh, named Jose Guadalupe Posada uh, to symbolize and point out that it doesn't matter if you're rich, if you're poor, uh, whatever skin color you are, Death is fair, and death is going to come for us all. That's like the one certainty. That's the one true prophecy. You're going to die eventually.
1: To to me, I mean, that might sound morbid to some people, but that sounds like a very, it's like almost a beautiful, should-be-uniting thing. doesn't matter what your skin color is, what language you speak, where you come from. Everybody's going to die, so we should probably celebrate life.
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: So, okay, so help me out here. And I i mean, this as a joke, but I really do get these confused sometimes if I'm just in conversation. So we have a regular skull and then we have skull candy, which is the headphones. Then we have the sugar skull. Then we have the crystal skull. So moving those around, trying to understand what they are. I, I always say that the sugar skull is the crystal skull. What is the sugar skull?
0: The sugar skull is just to honor the spirits. Okay. Again, it's that's what I was, more of a... That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know what? I, I never noticed that until you pointed out. And I think I do have some sugar, what is it, skull or candy? Headphones? Candy
1: skull, yeah.
0: Candy skull, yeah. I don't even know the brand, but I'm like, yeah, I remember because yeah. Those
1: used to be those used to be really popular. I I had a roommate and I lived with her and her boyfriend. She was like the one friend, one of the only friends I had when I was living in Orlando. I went to film school. And she was, I think her family is from Mexico. And so she was huge. She was big on the Day of the Dead or the Days of the Dead, as, as you, I think, correctly uh, asserted. And she was big on, on the sugar skulls. But she gets so mad because I, I sincerely, I didn't know what they were. This was like over a decade ago. And I kept saying, uh, uh, what I call them, candy skull or something. She gets so mad at me. She's like, no, it's a it's a sugar skull.
0: <laughs> I, don't, I mean, you shouldn't take it too personal either, you know, but... It's sugar and yeah, sugar skull. I mean, I guess it's the correct way to say it. It's the same thing, candy, sugar.
1: I actually have i have a listener, uh, uh, Ryan, I won't say the last name, but Ryan T., he gave me uh, a really cool pink rose quartz crystal skull. Do you, you have a real crystal skull? They're really cool.
0: Oh, cool. I don't have a rose quartz crystal skull, but I have a, uh, I believe it's Chinese jade skull.
1: Interesting. Pretty, Interesting. Yeah.
0: And I do. I have it here. It's actually facing me. Hey, I just thought of a quick little joke that you might like. The sugar skulls uh, maybe could be a symbolism to, you know, death is sugar. I mean, sugar is death, right? Sugar leads to death. Sugar so is death.
1: Sugar is death. And <laughs> for some people, death is sweet. Get out of the suffering, and the pain of life. Right. But no, see, I
0: agree with that. I mean, some people say, oh, why, you know, why do we. Have to die. And I've explained that to them. I'm like, well, would you want to live in suffering forever? What if someone, you know, really was suffering, Uh, whether it be physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, whatever it is? Wouldn't you want that to end at some point? Wouldn't you find comfort in knowing that it's not eternal?
1: I feel that every time I see David Wilcock give a presentation, I always think, I'm glad I'm going to die someday. I don't have to listen to this for eternity. (laughs) So, okay. So, 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 I'm sorry. So, Santa Morte. Uh, the, the different than the, it's the you, they call it the dapper skeleton, you said. Dapper?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so different. It's just cool. yeah. cultural, artistic expression. They look sort of the same, but they're definitely not. Right. And,
0: they're not completely different.
1: Okay, and then the Day of the Dead is really the Days of the Dead, which I, I do know that because the Days of the Dead, it's the same thing as the All Saints and All Souls Day of the Church and i like i like the i like the 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 statement you made at the end of the last segment you talked about the body breaking down but the body's also constantly recycling regenerating itself so there's an up and down almost like a breath in the body and the same thing is happening in nature the earth is breathing the universe is breathing or whatever you call the universe for people who like the flat earth the flat earth is breathing Something is clearly happening every single month, every single year, most places of the world. We, we might not get four seasons down here in Arizona, but most, most places you get your seasons. And in the Northern Hemisphere, we're entering into the fall months, and there's a changing of the seasons. That's all part of the cycle. Nature is dying and living, recycling itself, just like the body. So the body really then is like a microcosm of nature, which is a larger macrocosm, is it not?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And there you get the hermetic Principle of Correspondence. You can apply it into your life and you can see it and witness it.
1: Makes a lot more sense when you break it down like that. You know, otherwise this stuff just gets, I think, dismissed as like, oh, it's new age. That's, you know, which for some people they're attracted to that, but it's, it's new agey. And that's like, you know, very either it's new age or it's conspiracy or it's used spiritual wacko. But when we look at the things we believe in our own culture, things that, you know, we might otherwise say other people are crazy for. I, I also like the example you gave about the prayer. I mean, people. Yes, of course, people pray to the Virgin Mary. People pray to Jesus. I grew up in a Baptist household, and you know, going to Baptist church, people would pray to Jesus and yeah, help me get this job, help me do this, help me do this, God. What's the difference between Jesus and Santa Martha? There's no difference. You're praying to something that you, that I mean, most of the time, you don't even know exactly what it is you're praying to. It's just an image that you have in your mind. That's magic. Right.
0: You don't know who's answering, but someone is.
1: No, you don't know who who's answering. That's I mean, I know some people use this argument to debase religion. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying that you don't really know. I mean, you should know more. That's what that's what irritates me about Halloween is that it's fun. But I really think that collectively as a culture, especially because Hollywood and the media, all media, they tend to promote these pop culture ideas about the traditions. And that really changes the origins because it creates new origins for the modern traditions. And I find that to be subconsciously dangerous because a lot of these, these themes and these ideas and these images are actually beautiful. They're harmonious and they speak to a rich human history and intellect and consciousness that we're just dumping no matter if you're Christian atheist or whatever you are. I mean, atheists and Satanists, they, they they worship this kind of stuff. They love the skulls and death and they worship blood and all that. And it's the same kind of a thing as a Christian who might, you know, or just the average person in society who dismisses it because, uh, oh, it's just it's just a fun holiday. There's no meaning to it. There's a tremendous meaning to it. I mean, I guess I guess my point, Laura, is this shows us that how quickly in a few generations so much rich history can just be lost because we don't maintain an understanding of it. And that's not because of aliens or an or a deluge. It's just because. I don't know, maybe there is a sinister conspiracy to it, but I hope that makes sense.
0: No, right. I was going to ask if you, you think Satanists, because I feel like it, it might be true, or at least most Satanists, have a better understanding about these symbols than most Christians do, because at least, in my experience, they do, and at least they're more aware of what it is that they're displaying, as opposed to Christians who wear the cross and have no idea what it means or where it comes from.
1: I would answer that with a possibly, I guess it would depend on, I shouldn't even say I guess, I know it would depend on where they're getting the interpretation for the symbols. So if if you're reading like, I mean, I've read the Satanic Bible. It's not like a book on symbols, but I guess if you're following like the Anton LaVey Satanism, yes, from my experience talking to those people, they tend to have a better understanding of the symbols like the pentagram. They know it's a symbol of protection, but like general satanism or whatever people call themselves. Probably not. I think they do it for shock value because they know it ticks Christians and other people off. So like, yes and no.
0: That's true. No, that's true. Yeah. More of the the satanic, uh, what is it? The satanic temple. Yeah. Which has the same initials as your show.
1: (laughs) It does have the same initials as my show, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You, you, You found, you found the secret plot in the secret teachings. This is really a satanic show. There you go. You now I figured it you, out.
0: Yeah, I solved that conspiracy.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I swear to God. If, so you, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh. I, I was gonna say, I swear to God, if I get one email, somebody asks, Are you sir? Are you really a Satanist? That's why you tell people you're not a Christian, you're actually a Satanist.
0: Well, you know what? I, I don't understand how people that listen to your show can think that because I know you've pointed this out that you're either a Christian or that you're a Satanist. Like they, they can't see in between. They can't see that you talk about both, both topics and you're neither. So I, I don't know. Well,
1: I feel like 99% of the audience tonight is I think with, with us, but there's always that very, very small handful of people that are listening. And I hope the 99 plus percent can laugh along with us. Cause I'm not talking yeah. about you, but there's like a few people that, yeah, they, I had a couple of people, I, I told you they canceled their subscriptions because one said, I was too Christian once that I wasn't Christian enough. I don't know why everything has to revolve around that.
0: Why do you have to be either or? Why can't you just look at things objectively, right? Anyway.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there's there's one person. Ah, Santa, more It's evil. It's evil. It's like it's like SpongeBob, Mermaid Man, and Barnacle Boy. Evil. It's not evil. <laughs> Yeah,
0: unfortunately, it does does come, you know, it's very controversial, so I wouldn't be surprised. I hope you don't, but I wouldn't be surprised if you do get one email like that.
1: I won't be surprised either, but I actually hope I do. I'd like to to get that email. I'll forward it to you. So so here's the idea that the, the body recycles, the body's in decay, but the body recycles. Nature does the same thing. So the apocalypse, the great unveiling, that's the lifting of the veil and the black horse rides during the fall of man. Does that make sense to you, Laura? Do you understand where I'm coming from? Am I lost in my interpretation of that? It's not. it's not that you need to believe that as a listener. It's just an idea. I, I think it's an idea that makes a lot of sense, and it's not so. It's not so scary. It's not so end of the world ish.
0: Right. It's kind of comforting to know that you are. You know, you are part of that cycle. I, I find, and I can see it, so I, I do believe it because it's been my experience, and I I have seen it. Mm-hmm. I can see it. It's logical. So yeah, I I definitely understand that.
1: Okay. So with everything else we've discussed tonight, this is the season of death. And that's at least what I've called tonight's show. We've got Laura Lavender. She is the host of mysteries beyond. You can check that out on Apple podcasts. There'll be a link to it. If you're listening to the secret teachings right now in an archive, scroll down to the show. I don't think they're notes, I don't know where I post them, but it's like a show description and just click on the link. It'll take you right to her, to her show. Leave her a review too. You should leave us a review on the secret teachings. Leave her a review, secret You can also find our subscription, uh, my books and all that as well. So Laura, when when we're talking about death and we're talking about these other celebrations and festivals, you had brought up uh, the Hungry Ghost Festival and the Hungry Ghost Festival is, again, very similar to, well, it's pretty much like Halloween, the Day of the Dead, or the Days of the Dead. It's just another festival, another tradition, except this one is, this one's very, it's like in China and Malaysia. It's a lot of Eastern, I think it's like Eastern Asian countries celebrate this. Do you know much about the Hungry Ghost?
0: I mean, I've. I- a little bit of research because I did find it interesting that it kind of all relates to you know Halloween and the Day of the Dead and I found some similarities between the Hungry Ghost Festival and the Day of the Dead so for the Hungry Ghost Festival I know that it's they they honor the dead right it's a celebration to honor the dead and to remember them Correct. same as the Day of the Dead and meals are actually placed out for them as well and they they, they even like set their plates and um at the dinner table so that they can join them, which is kind of similar to the Day of the Dead because although we may not set the plates at the dinner table for, for the Day of the Dead, we more so go to their uh, graves and kind of take them their favorite meals and have a meal with them and kind of talk to your you know grandmother or grandfather or whoever, whichever loved one has passed away. I just found that that's, being so far apart in the world that they have those same similarities.
1: It, well, it's it's I think it's an attribute to human intellect and human consciousness. I'm not saying there hasn't been some interconnected, uh, globally connected civilization in the past. I believe that there has been, but I think this is just the observances of nature, and it's not like our ancestors were sitting in front of iPhones and tablets. So Mm -hmm. being able to observe the heavens and the cycles of nature, and it's not just the average person, you know, a lot of people were obviously illiterate, Uh, illiterate, illiteracy was really just exterminated in the last hundred years. Like before that, most the average person was illiterate, they couldn't read or write. So a lot of these ideas are passed down by wealthy people, people that were priests that worked for wealthy people like kings and queens and emperors, etc., so these were people that knew how to read and write. So they spent a lot of their time observing the heavens, observing nature. And, you know, as time progressed and new technologies were developed, we, we get these inventions, a telescope. We see the stars. We get this idea that there are these planets and they revolve around the sun, although that wasn't, you know, accepted at first. And then we just attribute, well, that must, that's the macrocosm. So, you know, the very basis of the human I don't think they called them cells or atoms, but the very basis of the human is what do you have? You have electrons that circle around uh, you know, neutrons and protons. So it's the microcosm. So it's a very similar thing. Our ancestors noticed that and recognized that clearly and passed this information down to future generations and stories and myths and deities and characters. And by the way, I thought this was interesting, popped in my head into my head, you know, Jews also set an extra cup usually it's a cup of wine and a plate and they leave the door open every Passover for the prophet Elijah. Very similar to what the, what the Chinese and East Asian countries do for the hungry ghosts. They set the table, set the food and they hope Elijah comes and hangs out with them or their ancestors come and have a chat and have a bite to eat with them.
0: Wow. I did not know that. That's pretty cool. So see, there's, there's another culture that has
1: that I mean, know, tradition. And you can't get too, I mean, you can't get any further apart. I mean, you've got, like you've got Mexican, South American, Americas in general, you've got Middle Eastern, you've got African, you've got East Asia, like this is every part of the world and they're doing the same thing.
0: Right. And with the Hungry Ghost Festival, I think it's, you know, it's important to, to note that it's not so much that they're hungry, but uh, <laughs> <True. laughs> these are like restless they're restless spirits right so they they didn't they probably didn't receive a proper burial or um, maybe they are they're forgotten by their families so I think it's I think it's a really cool tradition because it's it shows kind of that kindness and humanity by offering them food um, and uh, I think they also burn paper money and paper clothes that's true as an offering that's an offering and I think that's cool so I think that that's very nice and very kind of them to offer them what they can, which is attention, which is energy, and they can, you know, stop being
1: so so unquote. angry and hungry.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So it's the seventh month of the Chinese lunar year. That's the Hungry Ghost Festival. I don't know. It's kind of like those, you know, the, our culture in the West is so different than the East. So you know, you get these funny, uh, like restaurants, like the number one super duper Chinese super buffet, the Hungry Ghost. I'd, I'd, I think that would be a great buffet. The Hungry Ghost. I'd go to that buffet. <laughs> Laura Lavender. What's that? No, I'm just
0: laughing at your joke. Sorry.
1: No, that's no, okay. Laura Lavender, our guest this evening. is Mysteries Beyond. Another segment coming up after this. I'm Ryan Gable. Stay with us. You're listening to The Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. So, it's taken months, but my new book, Liberty Shrugged, is finally available. Nearly 700 pages with archived images, it will leave you fascinated and wanting more. See, hatred for America and the Constitution is based on misconceptions of history and the rule of law charges of racism, sexism, and bigotry don't hold up to history and context. They stem from nullifiers who wanted to replace the Constitution and maintain hierarchy, as with the Confederate Constitution, which aimed to preserve the institution of slavery. But racism was not the foundation of that institution. It was a final justification to defend an institution which had existed forever and for which Western civilization and colonialism was actually taking steps to end. Africans and Arabs organized slave trading far exceeding anything in the Atlantic, and some continued to this day. Also, a woman's role in household duties was as systemic as a man's role in the legislature or on the battlefield. Indian tribes, when they weren't at war with one another, were choosing sides with the Europeans. See, we can't address history from the air-conditioned seats of a progressive university and pass judgments on men, women, and events that we know nothing about. My book, Liberty Shrugged, attempts to dispel countless historical, cultural, and social myths in order to find an objective understanding of history, the present, and the future. It's Liberty Shrugged at www.thesecretteachings.info. I hope you'll get a copy today for yourself, for your friends, for your family. I think you'll really enjoy it. If anyone can hear this
0: broadcast, I'm still on Earth.
1: This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis and The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence. (laughs) This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Thanks, Ryan. This is David Knight with the davidknightshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Welcome back to The Secret Teachings. I'm your host, Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for joining us. Final segment tonight with our guest, Laura Lavender. You can check out her show, Mysteries Beyond, Apple Podcasts, five-star reviews under religion and spirituality. Several dozen episodes. She's been doing it for a while. She joined us this evening to talk about Santa Morte and also about the cycles of nature and how the... Image the composite image of that deity and the idea of the cycles of nature, how it all relates to the thinning of the veil, the month of October, Samhain, Samhain, the midpoint between the fall equinox Maybon and the summer, or rather winter, solstice Yule, and how we have these ideas and these beliefs and these traditions that go back so far into human existence. I mean, probably way before we were even the types of homo sapiens sapiens that we, we think we are today. There are traditions and views that go back 30,000, 40,000 years to shamanistic culture uh, that have a similar uh, relationship with the idea of death and life being cyclical and that there really isn't a death and that there's something beyond the physical. So that's what we tend to celebrate whether we are aware of it or not. During the Halloween months and I know over the years the secret teachings we've been on air now. Well, I've been doing radio since 2009, but I've done it professionally for about five, six years. So I've learned a lot over the years and one of the things that we like to do every year is we like to look at the origins of holidays or holiday, which is holy days. And we do this with Halloween. So we'll have a lot of Halloween shows throughout the month of October and we're going to have some other guests on as the month goes on. So this is, a, this is a fun month. I love talking about the origins of these traditions. Especially, you move out of Halloween, you know, unless you're following more of a pagan path, if you will. We tend to think, well, like Jesus is born, so everything gets great in the middle of the winter time. Uh, not so much. Uh, we might celebrate the birth of Jesus, but the reality of the situation is we actually are mourning the death of what Jesus as a character represents. And by the way, there really was a Jesus. They found the tomb, the ossuary, called Talpiat in Jerusalem back in the 80s when they were putting it in an apartment complex. But the, 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 the idea is Jesus was a, is a symbol of, of course, the solar deity, the S-O-N, the S-U-N. So although we're celebrating Jesus and his birth, we're also mourning the sun. And that's why we put wreaths on our door, and when I learned that like four or five years ago, I just blew my mind. I was reading a book and I read about wreaths and I was like, oh my God, the wreath is actually a symbol of mourning. It's a symbol of death. It's something we'd more so attribute to Halloween. I find that fascinating. And I realized immediately, well, it's obviously because the sun has died and the sun is at its lowest point. And then the sun is reborn. And well, you know, the whole story. And for whatever Jesus character did exist, you know, clearly, the church just took, like for Halloween, traditions that were already being maintained and performed, especially in places like, you know, the, the Roman Empire, like the cult of Mithra, Mithra as a sun god, and they just applied their version to it to help. And one pope even said this about Halloween to help incorporate the heathens into the, the church doctrine. I mean, it is it's a conspiracy. It's not that if you're Christian, it's it's a bad thing, but it that's. That's what actually happened with a lot of these traditions. But these traditions, our guest this evening, Laura Lavender, these traditions are all over the world. Um, we're talking about not just Halloween collective, you know, or uh, celebrations like the Days of the Dead, early November. You have the celebration. What was it you said? You have the celebration and the honoring of children and then everybody else. What were the dates right. of that?
0: November 1st. So November 1st, you honor the the children, the, the Days of the Innocents. And then November 2nd, you get everybody involved, you know, adults and children included.
1: And then the Catholic Church created, the Vatican created uh, the November 1st All Saints Day and then November 2nd All Souls Day. Same exact yeah. thing. So, yeah. so that's the Days of the Dead. That's, you know, Halloween and all, all the things that we know. But you also have the Hungry Ghost Festival. Hungry Ghost Festival, you also have, which is East Asian, you also have the Japanese Buddhist Bon, which is August 13th through the 15th, and Bon is like the Roman name Aurelia, a celebration of the goddess Diana. This is the time for celebrating your ancestors and not worshipping death, but appreciating understanding the cycles of nature, etc. The Hindus have Pitru Paksha, and that's actually earlier in September. It's another similar uh, festival or tradition. Then there's also something called Galungan, And that is a veneration of the dead. That is a Balinese holiday. So the point is, I could sit here and just list all these off. And I find that interesting. Probably not interesting just to listen to a list of different festivals. But if you want to go look these up in different cultures, you'll find the same exact tradition everywhere. Christian, Taoist, doesn't matter. It's going to be the same thing because we're all humans and we're all observing nature and we're all seeing things in the same way we're just calling it something different because we have different languages and we have different expressions and art forms etc. I think it's really as simple as that Laura.
0: It is very interesting and you know you mentioned the wreath as a symbol of death and when I first heard you mention that I was like oh wow that is so true and I thought it was interesting that it is shaped like a circle to symbolize again that cycle between Mm -hmm. you know life and and death it's the
1: the wheel of the year
0: yeah and it's just it's just crazy because i I can go outside and step and look at my neighbor's house and it's decorated It's, it's got like orange lights it's got skeletons and it's all they're all symbols of death and you know you got blood paint some people decorate their windows with like blood paint so i just find it funny in a way but they probably have no idea what they're displaying they're just going with the flow it's like I- it's ironic <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well the re- the wreath too is i mean I, I when i see people with a wreath i want to go up and ask them i'm sorry did somebody you know die
0: <laughs> right i'm sorry for your loss
1: I'm, so, I'm sorry exactly i'm sorry just leave that on the wreath on the door i'm sorry for your loss i mean look we celebrate death and we honor death. I mean, that's what the, I mean, traditionally in, in Europe and, and, and various surrounding uh, places, I mean, even in Asia, it's just not as popularized there, but we, we bring in outdoor plants or trees, evergreens, different kinds of trees. Uh, obviously in Germanic countries, that's where it largely started, but we bring in these things from the outside in the winter so they don't die and they're a reminder that life will spring about again in spring. That's what we call it spring. And that's, that's what the tradition we have all over the world. We have the veneration of nature, the veneration of green. And it's the same thing as honoring the dead. We're honoring nature in a similar way. We know that, you know, eventually it, it, things will come back. Things will come back to life. And eventually we'll be able to let our ancestors go or let our more closely related loved ones go, people we knew directly. And uh, we just honor them and then we move on. And that's the part of the cycles of, of, of the year, uh, cycles of nature. It's fascinating. Blows my mind every time I think about it. It's not evil. It's not I, demonic.
0: No, it's not. And I I did kind of want to go over the colors and I wanted to ask you what your take on the colors are for Halloween, orange and black. Like I, I, I can understand black because it's death, you know, shadows, the absence of light, or the absence of the sun. But orange, why orange?
1: Well, I don't know I don't think that orange was a traditional color. However, orange might have somewhat come about because well, there's, there's two components to this. One, it's obviously the color of fire. So fire, lighting the darkness, bonfires. I mean, uh, we have fires that start in Beltane. I mean, the whole year is really fire. in bulk. they have candles. Beltane is fire. Letha, Lucna Maybon, But we have a lot of bonfires for Halloween. That's a classical tradition. So maybe it has something to do with the fire. But orange also represents like, joy and happiness and really that's what the the Sowin and that's what all these festivals like Day of the Dead or Days of the Dead that's what they're all about they're all it's about festivities and being happy and and, and joyful and celebrating uh, our ancestors and honoring and worshiping them those are the two things I can think about fire and joy
0: wow see I was thinking about it like off the top of my head like maybe it has something to do with like fall because the leaves some leaves turn orange maybe it's like another symbol you know When leaves turn orange, it means they're going to die. It's kind of like the harvest season. Something's orange. (laughs) That's where I was going with it.
1: Well, that's 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 how we create. You know, uh, these. I mean, you could tell. You know, you could tell your your kids that, and then you know they grow up and they say, "Well, yeah, my mom taught me that. That's that's why we use orange." And then someone else says, "Oh, yeah, but we also use orange because you know orange represents fire." And that's how we create new ideas, but it, it relates regardless of where it came from originally. What you just said relates to it, and that might be, be that might become part of it in the next generation. That's what we do. Right.
0: I like that. So, do you think that with Halloween, because I know you said, you know, a lot of a lot of the times we um, new generations come up with new origins for how for holidays. So, unfortunately, with Halloween, you dress up, but it's it's become for, for women, you know, more specifically, it's become more of like a who can have the, the sexiest costume. So.
1: <laughs> is that a thing for I don't go out, Laura, so is that a thing?
0: I guess so. It's like a one day women get could dress up and they're like Skimpiest as clothing and they'll be forgiven. It'll, it'll be overlooked. Like, Oh, it's just Halloween. She's, she's wearing an orange thong. That's cool. You know, it's Halloween themed, you know? like. So I'm wondering, do you think eventually it'll turn into uh, like this orgy festival?
1: You know what, for some people it probably already is. I mean, people have a, have a party for everything. Right. So I'm, I, I, w- I don't go, I've never actually been to a Halloween party, never been to a costume party. I feel like people get pretty rowdy. It could, li it, it could very easily turn into something like that. It might already be that for some people.
0: Oh, that's disappointing that you mentioned that it could be already be happening. And yep.
1: People wear masks. I mean, you go to like orgy parties. I, I think people probably wear masks. You don't want to, you know, or like a swingers club, you don't want to show your identity. So it's already part of it. It's already bu- it's built into the orgy. Is the mask? That's true.
0: That's true. Maybe I like subconsciously knew that. <laughs>
1: I don't know, do you go to Halloween parties? or Are you going to go to Halloween parties?
0: No, I'm not. I uh, I don't think I've ever been to a Halloween party, really. Uh, I've gone trick-or-treating, but that's about it. And actually, I will be hosting kind of like a family Halloween party this year myself, but we'll see how that goes. I've never really done it. And
1: are you yeah, going to of... go as Santa Morthe to your Catholic family's Halloween party?
0: <laughs> no, uh, I'm going to go as Lilith, and I bought the all blocked out contacts, the 22 millimeter oh, they'll,
1: contacts. They'll like that. If they're yeah. super Catholic, they'll like Lilith. They should know about Lilith. That's part of the, the Christian, Judaic Christian tradition. I thought.
0: Right. They, they deny her completely. They're <laughs> just like, nope. that's not, that's not Catholic. That's not accepted. Nope.
1: <laughs> well, I, I think that Halloween's a very strange <laughs> holiday, isn't it?
0: it? It can be. Yeah. I
1: mean, your neighbors have blood in their windows
0: where like paint, blood, keep out and they've got like the caution tape is, or fake tape but yeah, yeah it's like a death crime or something. I'm not sure what they're going for.
1: It's funny to me how you bring up how it, it, you said women seem to use it as, as an excuse to just be as skimpy as possible. It's justified, it's forgiven but if you just, if you thought like what you explained about your neighbor's house and you said that they've got blood in the window and skeletons on the lawn, like I feel I feel as from, if you were an outsider and you came to planet Earth, and you saw that this—you might be ter- terrified <laughs> that this is what's happening. Right. It sounds like Vlad the Impaler or something.
0: Right, right. <laughs> it would be scary. It would be like, what are you guys doing? you guys kill people? Do you guys worship dust You guys, you know. No, we give candy.
1: Know. We give candy to people when they come by.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so, do you have you ever heard of uh, scowling?
0: Scowling, I, I think I heard it mentioned once on your show, but I don't quite remember it. What yeah.
1: is it? We'll talk about it on another show for everybody who's listening, but for, for just this conversation here, scowling is like the original, one of the original uh, names for trick-or-treating. So they used to call it going a scowling. So you go around and you're, you know, scowling is, you know, having a bad temper and being kind of angry and upset. So you're you're basically when you go trick or treating, you're going out a scowling, you're going out with the scowl, you're going out with a mask, you're going out with anger uh, because you're a you're an evil spirit, you're an angry spirit, you're coming over to get revenge and people leave food out so that you go away.
0: (laughs) Wow, so that you don't so that they don't harm you or they they don't bring misfortune or
1: that's yes, that's that's the the trick or treat contract, you get you get the trick if you don't give them the treat.
0: There you go! Oh wow, going scowling.
1: Well, you know what's funny about Uh, that? You know, oh my goodness, I just I just realized this. That is, it's the same thing as Santa Claus. Because what is trick or treating? It's you get the treat, or they, you know, they act out a trick, they perform a trick. Same thing with Santa Claus. What is Santa Claus? It is the clause. It's a contractual obligation. You're good, you get presents. You're bad, you get coal. It's the same thing. That's
0: true. I had not pieced that together this is why i I like listening to your
1: show (laughs) well thank you thank you i appreciate it i would imagine that your show is insightful as well mysteries beyond tell listeners a little bit about that and then we'll wrap up with halloween and the show tonight
0: sure uh mysteries beyond the four lavender i talk about spirituality i talk about both both the love and light side and the dark aspect of spirituality i feel like i'm focusing a little bit more on the darker aspect but that's simply because that's where i'm at in my spiritual journey i'm Discovering this whole other world. So
1: you're growing and with the show.
0: Yes, I am definitely growing with the show. So as I'm learning, I'm also providing that information, and I'm sharing. I'm pretty much just sharing all of my findings with listeners, and I don't claim to know everything. I, I, I don't claim to, you know, hold truth or the absolute truth. I, I do provide you with the information similar to yours, which is how it's heavily influenced by you because I try to provide an objective point of view and just providing the, the information. But at the same time, with the darker aspects of the topics that I cover, I try to come from a place of, I guess you could say, love and, and open-minded and respect. So
1: you don't yell at people like I do?
0: <laughs> no, I don't yell at people. Although if. I keep getting, you know, crazy emails and maybe within 10 years I might, I might end up yelling at someone.
1: I don't know. <laughs> See, that's, that's really the thing. In fact, when I was taught, I was telling the story of uh, where the secret teachings came from on Monday show. I was, as I was telling the story, I was realizing why I've, I've become so crass and jaded. It's because of all the, you know, like the manager at the radio studio lying about me, trying to get me kicked out and banned from the, property of the school and people making stuff up about me and lying about me. And that's kind of what made me upset. I just can't that. So that's like, I've got like 13 years of that. And yeah, maybe after 13 years of mysteries beyond, you'll, you'll just be, you'll be as upset as I am about it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting. I yesterday, just yesterday, I got a comment on social media uh, because I was talking about uh, Satanism Someone wrote to me and said, "You have idiots believing your false information. You dumb whore."
1: Oh, that's a, that's a good one. You should you should. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't know if I want, want to comment on it.
0: No, no. Go, go ahead and comment. I just thought I was like, oh, okay. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of getting my my taste on that and kind of thickening my skin as well. <laughs>
1: You do, you yeah you do have you have to have the thick skin and I I hope listener I well actually I know a lot of listeners who who like this kind of a um, little bit of behind the scenes because I deal with the same kind of thing and I find it so funny like I go over to Spreaker and I look at the residual income from this from the algorithmic ads and I've I've always been honest with people I make like nine hundred dollars a month off of it and that's really the only money I make so I live on next to nothing but. I don't tell you that so you give me money. I tell you that because I'm trying to be real and honest. So when I go look at that and then I get messages, people are saying the same thing to me. They don't call me a whore. They call me a jackass. They call me a jerk. And they're telling me that I'm just in this for the payoff and I'm spreading disinformation. But the funny thing is I get different emails and different people interpret what I'm saying differently. So I'm either working for the church. I'm working for the FBI. I'm working for the cabal. I'm working for Satan. I work for a lot of people, Laura.
0: You work for a lot of agencies. Wow,
1: and they don't pay. They don't pay very well. I'm I'm relying on that Spreaker ad money.
0: Oh my goodness. Well, that's 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 insane. You know, the only reason I got that comment was because he was fighting with some other person on social media, and I guess that other person pushed his buttons, and that led him to write to me. So. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. I'm just I just ignored it, honestly. I'm like,
1: "Well, that's the best way to handle it."
0: <laughs> right.
1: So two things come to my mind here. One is it's more of a joke, but you know, this is probably a case where you could get Santa Morte to help you out there. But that when I thought that, I thought, "Hmm, hold on a second. I don't like the idea of using even neutral deities even jokingly like that because I think that it is it's like, it becomes demonological. And whether you're asking a deity or uh, an entity, whatever it is, good or bad, when you're asking it for something very material, like even when people pray to Jesus or God and they're like, help me get this promotion and I make more money and help me get this or that, or I hope that I get this new car Mm -hmm. as absolutely 100%, no different at all whatsoever than going into like a Faustian bargain with a pentagram on the floor, if you will, and making a deal with the devil. It's the same exact thing.
0: Right, it's the same exact thing. You're still making a deal. You're you're simulating all the terms before the action. So, well, yeah, what's the difference? Why is it so shocking to to know that, for example, something muerte it makes those those kinds of deals? I guess you could say
1: mind control, brainwashing, and it's just you know perception. It's programming. Yes, that's 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 your culture. That's your idea. That's where you get your ideas from. And you know. Your perception is shaped by information. So if that's the information you have, that's your perception of the world. It's that simple. So, you know, I can say that it's, it's ironic and some people can be ignorant. I can be ignorant about those things, but it's all, it's all based on our perception. It's all based on programming because when I look at if I look at Santa Muerte, I think the exact same thing. I think, oh, well, that's evil for like a split second. Then I realize that's not evil. It's the opposite of that. It all happens within like a fraction of a second, but my programming is still there even after all these years.
0: I think maybe that's what it is. You learn to become aware that you have a programming, but you have to kind of become aware of your thoughts and override that programming. And in order to get past it and have a different perspective on, you know, different cultures, different deities, different, different topics.
1: Certainly there's no doubt about that. And so debt, we all pay a debt. It is death. The great equalizer And as the year turns, as we've been discussing tonight with our guest, Laura Lavender, as the year turns, we move into Samhain, the end of October. It is the apocalypse, the great unveiling. As the veil thins and is lifted between the two worlds, the physical and the spiritual, it brings us both the unveiling and the black horse of revelation, which is, well, death, the fall, the fall of man, a prerequisite for rebirth and this is why we find death all throughout human history, not as a result of war, not as a result of you, know, you know, murder and killing, although that's obviously there, but as a result of the symbols and the beliefs that we have. We venerate these things, not because we worship evil and death, but because we honor the living, even after they've passed on our ancestral traditions, like, for example, the tradition of Jessa or Yesa, uh, with the ritual shrine, it's practiced in Korea and other places in 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 Asia, Asian countries, where we honor any ancestor who has died and has has you know passed on. Or you get more collective uh, traditions like the Hungry Ghost or the Days. I like that you said that, Laura. It's the Days of the Dead, which mirror all Saints' Day and All Souls' Day of the Church, you know. Or whether it's Bon in Japan or it's the Pitru Paksha. In uh, the Hindu tradition, they're all this, they're all this, they're all similar, if not completely the same. It's all about honoring right. the ancestors and the dead with celebration, food, and, and things like that. Is that is that is that accurate? Would you say?
0: I would say it is accurate. And you know, one thing, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to share with you and your audience an experience that I had uh, with Santa Muerte, because you you mentioned you know programming, and that popped into my head. Um, how we're so conditioned to think that if you, if you look at Santa Wednesday, if you Google her or, you know, do an engine search or whatever, you'll see, you know, the skeleton with a black mantle, which is the most common, common depiction. And yeah, she'll be scary. She'll be very intimidating. But after having read and, and researched for quite a few weeks, I, in a way, decided to meditate on death and on her. And when I did that, it was a very, a very heavy energy. It, it was uncomfortable, and it was certainly intimidating. Um, and I, I asked her. I asked her for, for a sign, a sign that would confirm that she has heard me and that she was present. So the very next day, something very interesting happened. I opened the door, and I saw, I found a large kind of dark gray dead moth on my doorstep so immediately right I remembered oh it must have been you know the meditation that I did because I asked for a sign so I, I got excited for a split second and then the fear kind of dawned dawned in and, and I was taken aback like oh oh like she must have heard me you know you're messing with these currents something's going to answer and immediately I you know I reached for my phone and I Try to look up what's the, the spiritual meaning of a dead moth. So, obviously, you know, you get all of these negative things like, oh, it's a bad omen. Um, it means that you're going to die. It means a, baby a family member. <laughs> it's a baby Yeah, it's a baby moth. Man. So, I had to kind of become aware of myself and, and kind of hold, you know, yeah, become aware of that fear that I was feeling and take a, take a moment to breathe in and interpret that spiritual gift intuitively, right? Was this the first thought I had? Was this the initial feeling I got when I first saw this black moth? No, it was excitement. And for me, it was a sense of a confirmation that she heard me and and sort of a test, right? Like a, a test for me to, to see if, working with the death current would be if I was ready to work with the death current or would I turn my back to her at the very first sign of her presence. Right. So I, I, I took a couple, couple seconds to evoke that feeling of love. And then I thanked her and I scooped up the moth and I buried it. So if you do decide to work with her or look into her or even ask for a sign, don't be surprised if you get an answer.
1: And I but think the thing is, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, but the thing is to do it with the you know, utmost respect, with an open mind and to have, you know, love, go, go approach it with love.
1: One of the best ways we could have ended tonight. And I also feel that for those who interpret that as being fully literal, like you made a phone call to this deity and she dropped a moth off. Uh, <laughs> I think it's more so once you're asking for that, you become fully and, or at least more, if not fully consciously aware of images and symbols and signs and once you pay attention to them, I would I would call it more so a higher self or something to that effect. That is directionalizing your attention, making you aware of of the signs that are always around you. And then th- that's how you do magical work anyway, with percept perception, training the will uh, and analyzing your feelings in those situations. It's a great story. And that's the kind of thing that uh, well, we certainly uh, want to end the show with tonight, that idea. And it's not negative And you use the word love. And this is this is all. I think informative and positive, rather than dark and, and evil. Uh, perhaps a different spin on the Halloween months. We also didn't mention tonight Azrael, the angel of death. Yeah, uh, but we're just about out of time. If you got a quick comment on that, got a few seconds.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, Archangel Azrael. He's I believe in um, Islam. He's one of the four main archangels, next to Gabriel. I believe it's Raphael and Michael. Uh, but he is he, he kind of is in charge of separating the soul from the body. Um, but there's a lot more to it. I feel like I don't have enough time to go go through it all.
1: No, that's okay. But so, it's the, Azrael's the same thing. The guide of souls, kind of like Morpheus, but more so like Anubis, Santa Muerte, cetera. But oh, I wanted to throw Azrael in there, so I didn't finish the show tonight and think ah. Oh, one thing right. we didn't mention, which they'll, I'm sure there'll be a thousand. So if anybody wants to contact you, how do they do that? And how do they find the show?
0: Sure. You can reach me by email at lauralavender.mb at gmail.com. Uh, you're welcome to friend me on Instagram at lauralavender.mb. Uh, you can reach me either way there. And to find my show, you can listen on any podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, I believe I, I recently got an email, so you can listen to it on Amazon Music. Uh, it's on there as well. just Anywhere. And then my website, if you want to look, go check it out, it's www.mysteriesbeyond.com.
1: Mysteriesbeyond.com. Our website, www.thesecretteachings.info. rdgable at yahoo.com is the email please grab a copy of one of my books. Please subscribe. Your support keeps us on air, allows us to conduct these interviews and talk about these subjects and conduct the research for these shows five nights a week, Monday through Friday. Laura, thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. I really enjoyed it. And
1: we'll have you back on at some point soon. Hopefully. Thank you. There goes Laura Lavender. Again, this is the secret teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. And as always, stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we will talk to you on the next broadcast.